Welcome to Just Us and the Climate, a podcast by the Climate Justice Coalition, where we bring climate change back down to earth and show how it's not only a crisis, but an opportunity to build a better and more just world. The opinions expressed are those of the interviewees. Hello, everyone. I am Nandi Pomasango from The Green Connection, which is an eco-justice organization working on standing up for environmental and social rights. We believe that empowering people to participate in decision-making about their environment is the only way that sustainable development can take place. We currently have a campaign called Who Stole Our Oceans that focuses on opposing offshore oil and gas projects in South Africa. I am here together with Carmelita Moskut, a fisherwoman from Coastal Links, Saldana, and Neville Van Roy, the Green Connections Community Outreach Coordinator. Today, we will talk about car power ships, the opposition around these ships within coastal communities, along with talking about South Africa's energy crisis and whether car power ships are the solution. Welcome, Kamelita and Neville. Uh, how are you, Kamelita? Hi, everyone. I'm Kamelita Mostert from Sultana, a small village in the West Coast. I'm good. Great. Welcome, Kamelita. Neville, how are you? So I'm um, Neville van Roy, the community coordinator for the Green Connection. So I, um, yeah, I happy to join the call. Uh, so Neville, how do car power ships work? So the car power ships is basically um, these floating power plants that uh, con- uh, consist out of three ship component. So there will be the one ship that will be the actual supply, the power station, uh, to put it uh, um, in simple terms. And then there will be the FSRU ship, which will be the ship that's also uh, bringing then the uh, processing form of uh, gas to fuel this power station. And then there's a third ship, which is the container part of uh, the where the liquid natural gas will come from uh, the other country and then bring it there to the ships to load it to the processing ship, which is in the middle, and then the power plant that is uh, the first one. And then from the, the power plant, it goes uh, in the pipelines to the electrical local electrical grid. All right. Uh, so what could be the impacts of these ships to fishes, fishes' livelihoods and, and just overall marine life? The impact the ship will, the ship will have several impacts um, on our ocean. The one is our fish will definitely disappear, of course, of the noise of that ship. Eh? We as fishers can't go then to the sea. The ship will block us from our fish, because sometimes we caught the fish in the bay. So we as the fishers don't want the car power ship in our ocean, because the impact they will, they will have will affect our traditional and culture. So that is the impact that they, the ship will have in our oceans. That's why we say no to that. 
Yeah, um, there will definitely be great impacts. Uh, like in Saldana Bay, we just spoken to one fisher woman. I was on her boat, uh, uh, taken around the harbor to the exact area that uh, is known to other people as uh, uh, the Blue Blue Bay, but it's also you know uh, called for them Pepper Bay, where they. Uh, catch fish. I personally, for just a few hours, I catch almost like six to seven fish over there in that few hours. And this is a place close to where they don't need to use a lot of petrol. They just can just go there to fish for something. So that's where the ship will be stationed. And this is also known to be a breeding zone in the harbor area that they feel that will be threatened for a species that they uh, usually have on the on the in, in people's plates as well for food. And uh, the we are they are very much concerned about the underground water noise levels. We also are concerned about the fish that will be moving away, as Kamalita has mentioned, out of the area where they uh, will uh, go to uh, places where there's no uh, uh, noises like this. And then also the climate uh, impacts that will be from the place where the LNG is coming from uh, in the ship and even the place where they will be transporting it over. That is a major risk of methane leakages that we could be exposed to from the ship or even from the pipeline or anything else can go wrong with the ship connections of these three ships in all three harbors. All right. And what about the economy? What could be the impacts uh, of these ships to South Africa's economy? Yeah, we know that these ships uh, is uh, about to uh, give uh, 1,200 megawatts of electricity. And we know that that is only going to reduce one stage of load shedding. And it will not actually, uh, you know, help us in our load shedding crisis that we are sitting in. So uh, our crisis easily go to a, high, a level of six or seven. And therefore, uh, and over the 20 year period, uh, how much will the gas price also be fluctuating in Gas is expensive for, for, for them to ship that uh, gas from another country as costing the country, it's costing the taxpayer and uh, it's a burden on us. And we're also talking about the burden of taking this um, fossil fuel into the future. And this is the climate crisis that we are in right now, uh, that uh, uh, there is an urgency for us to move away from fossil fuels right now. So I'd like us to talk about uh, public participation processes that took place in relation to car power ships in South Africa, the car power ship projects, and if there were, you know, public participation processes. If there were public participation processes, what was the engagement with small-scale fishers and uh, coastal communities at large? Yeah, in uh, 2020, authorization was given by the Department of Forestry, Fishery and Environment to conduct uh, an environmental impact assessment process. And uh, they did that in Saldana Bay. And at that time, uh, communities made noises about the unfair uh, process that they were not included or they didn't uh, receive the notification in time because they had other commitments in the fishing terrains and also um, uh, in terms of the notices not reaching them uh, in time and there was uh, that. And then in all three ports in 2021, uh, the Department of Environmental and Forestry and Fisheries again refused these these ships and then in 2022 car power ship appealed the refusal and uh, an eia uh, process by car power ship uh, was then uh, given by the department again to address various gaps 
uh, in the EIA process, they were given that uh, opportunity. And this time around, the communities, then in, in Santana there was very uh, much issues on the ground uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, restrictions that allow people could not move because there was particular violence in the area at that time that people could not move around. And due to that, people could not uh, go to that specific meeting, although there was a few people in that meeting, and then they, uh, and also uh, like fishermen specifically, uh, that that was the exact time that the snook run came in, and that was uh, that was scarce at that time. The snook run came in, and they could not attend that meeting at that particular time. So we've heard that National Energy Regulator of South Africa has been involved uh, in this car power ship project. What role have they played uh, within this project and what has Green Connections' response been? Uh, in April 2021, a car power ship then uh, applied for the generation license. And then in uh, September, uh, NASA has also decided to uh, grant this uh, decision. Uh, to give uh, car power ship the electricity generation license uh, in April 22. That's the time when the Green Connection uh, launched its uh, high court uh, application objections to the decision uh, to grant electricity generation license to the car power ships. And the decision was uh, procedurally unfair and they did not comply to uh, IRP standards, uh, the decision was irregular and NASA failed to discharge its obligations to take into account environmental concerns. So uh, that was the basis that we uh, interacted with NASA. And we also asked uh, them to, uh, there was certain information that was redacted and we also wanted them to give us that full report and they has not given us that information as yet as well. So if car power ships operates in South Africa, how could that affect the cost of electricity for South Africans? Yeah, we need to know that a uh, car power ship is a gas to power ships. And this gas is a very expensive form of gas, which is uh, liquid natural gas that is uh, very expensive. It's shipped from another country and there needs to be a very expensive agreement that the country needs to enter in. And that will be uh, basically a burden on the taxpayer as well. And then we're talking about this 20 years that uh, we're talking about here as well. The 20-year deal uh, of how it's expensive for people and um, uh, how the cost of it over the long term is also a concern in terms of the price uh, baggage on the South African population. And then when we're also talking about the impacts on, you know, uh, the local economy. Uh, local economy will also be uh, hampered with this. It will be interrupted, you know, in the process as well. And that's also on the local economy of people, you know, uh, making ends meet and also directly uh, attacking the food security of local people. Neville, what do you think the future looks like for activists and coastal communities advocating against such projects? The future, I must say, it looks very, very unstable in the sense that we have uh, this uh, problem where we have the government that is pro-gas and believes that gas should be part of the 
transition uh, to renewables. And then you have the civil society and the grassroots organizations that really feel that we do not want this burden of more uh, fossil fuels on our backs going into the future. And that two conflicting ideas is still in conflict going forward. And this will, uh, it can also, it could also, you know, delay us if uh, we continue to allow this conflict situation to to stagnate our progress towards a just transition. But we, however, have the view that the sooner we go to greener and cleaner energy, such as renewable energy, the better for the country and then also the better for the planet and also the better for the livelihoods. And we believe that the livelihoods uh, needs to move to cleaner energy and we need to you know, have cleaner forms of energy to go to the future where the government feel that they are still uh, promoting such projects like car power shop to go into the future for us, which is a, a baggage on people's uh, on the planet's back and also exacerbating climate change in the process. And it shows uh, sometimes it could be even an oppressive type of relationship where they impose this uh, fossil fuel and uh, fossil fuel agenda on the people uh, that does not actually deserve it, that just want to protect their livelihoods, their ocean livelihoods. And therefore, that conflict uh, is a very unstable situation at the moment from both these two um, civil society industry, uh, civil society organizations and the industry and the governments. Thank you, Neville and Kamelita. The journey to a gas-free country and a just energy transition continues. Thank you, everyone, for listening. People are welcome to join the movement by signing our petition to call on the president of South Africa to stop all offshore oil and gas projects in South Africa. This petition is found at the Green Connections website at thegreenconnection.org.za. People are also welcome to follow the Green Connection on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Just Us and the Climate, a production of the Climate Justice Coalition. To find out more about the coalition and our work to advance climate justice, visit climatejusticecoalition.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it widely. The more people it reaches, the more we can help grow the movement for climate justice. This podcast is made possible thanks to the financial support of the Open Society Foundation. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.